Hey guys, this is Bruce. Welcome to Combo Courses Podcast. And today what I'm going to do is I'm going to break down GRC. What is GRC? What kind of tasks do you do? I'm going to paint a big picture of what GRC is so that you have an idea. My hope is that anybody who wants to get into this, they'll understand like the big picture and see if they want to do this or not, because you may not want to do this stuff. Um, another thing is the people who are just new getting into this, to kind of paint a bigger picture of what what's kind of going on so that is kind of the goal of this now if you happen to be on TikTok, this is going to be a very visual presentation the best place to view this is either on facebook or on youtube and you can just follow me there I type in, in combo courses go in there because i'm gonna be showing a lot of stuff i will switch the screen so you can see it on TikTok. if you have if you want to you'd rather Watch me over there. That's fine. I'll do my best to try to give you a visual. But this is going to be very visual. I'm going to be walking you through some um, some spreadsheets and like like make this as visual as possible so you can fully understand what we're talking about. So I'm going to walk you through what is GRC from a broad level and and then kind of we can burrow down into deeper stuff. I'm going to do this for about 20, 30 minutes and then I'll open it up to like any kind of questions you have. And if you guys didn't know, my name is Bruce. I've been doing cybersecurity, GRC, NIST 800, information security officer work for the better part of, I've been doing this since 2000. So <laughs> that should give you, a, I've been doing this a long time. I've done it in the public sector. I've done it in the private sector. So I have some very solid idea of how this works across the governments, across uh, the private sector and all of that. So if you have any questions at all, this is really the best time to ask me if like, especially if you're trying to get into this market, if you're trying to do GRC stuff, that's my specialty. I can go super deep on that stuff. I can answer sp very specific questions that we probably have to, we, I probably not publicly probably can't answer some of their corporate, you know, questions, but <laughs> because, you know, that's might have some private information or something, but let's get right into this. So first of all, what is GRC? So GRC stands for governance, risk, and compliance. That's what it means. And to kind of break that down, governance of an organization, when we say organization, we're talking about companies, governments, organizations, nonprofit, profit, whatever it happens to be, whatever their business or missions are, it doesn't matter. We're talking about organizations that are large and who are handling very important information. Those are the kinds of organizations we're talking about when I say organization. So governance, risk, and compliance. Let me break those down for you. Like, what does that mean? Let me give you like a little visual here so you can kind of follow along with me. Uh, let me switch this over. Bear with me here. I got to switch this. <laughs> I wish they had a better way to do this on uh, on TikTok, um, but they don't. Um, I, I have to figure that out. I guess there is a way. I have to. I'll figure that out. Um, but I just wanted to jump into this. So let's go ahead and show you the screen. Okay, there it is. So GRC stands for governance, compliance, and risk. All right. So governance is uh, control activities, um, auditing strategies, uh, managing strategies, and then you've got risk, which goes into also control activities, risk management, performance, and then compliance. That's policies, procedures, documentation, business processes, that is governed. So you can see GRC is a very, very broad term. Like it covers so much ground. I mean, you're talking about managers, information system security managers. You're talking about people who do audits and assessments. That's security control assessors. 
That's people who go to the organization and like run a scan and then look at the results. Then you've got compliance people like people like what I do. Um, I do mostly risk and compliance. Those are my specialties. But compliance is like making sure the organization is matching mm -hmm. state and government rules and laws. And those are important when you think about like protection of your own private information. Like if you ever, you know, um, go to a store, you want to make sure your your data is protected. Like people aren't going to be able to just steal your credit card information. And compliance and risk are supposed to be things that fix that kind of thing. So in a nutshell, that is what GRC is. So there's many, many different subcategories, many, many different jobs that go into GRC. It's a huge field. It pays very well. Um, and it's not as technical. Uh, a lot of these jobs are not as technical as your hackers, your pen testers, your code developers, and things like that. Now, there are aspects of GRC that are very technical, like your audit auditors, like risk management can get very, very technical where you're running scans and then looking at the results. Like you, you're expected to know quite a bit of technical stuff to, to do some of these jobs. But my point is, it's very, very broad. It covers a lot of ground. It pays very well. We do not have enough people to do this kind of stuff. So if you're trying to get in this, but you're not super technical, but or you're an IT guy, like this is my real specialty. If you're an IT dude and you're trying to get in, you're trying to level up, this is a great opportunity for you because there is not enough people to do this work. And I'm telling you, um, let me just give you a, like a breakdown of that because that, that deserves a little bit of more time. So this job, just recently, the White House came out with this, um, this initiative where they realize there's not enough people to do this work. There's not enough people doing pen testing, not enough people doing assessments, not enough people doing GRC work, not cybersecurity as a whole is not, we just don't have enough people doing it. And I can, I can tell you from personal experience, not just like, Forget about the data. Forget about the statistics and all the kind of stuff that's coming out about how we need more people. I'm telling you, as a person who's been doing this since 2000, that every job I've gotten, most jobs I've gotten, they will dual hat us. That means that dual hatting, triple hatting means like when you have two hats on, that means like not only am I the, the person running the scans, but I'm also the person um, doing the documentation. Not only am I the person who's putting the patches on the system, I'm also the person who's running the scans. I'm, I'm not only am I it's like you get the idea. I'm doing two different jobs a lot of times because we don't have enough bodies. The place I work at right now, as a matter of fact, without naming any names or revealing anything, I, I'm doing there's way too much work. Like I need like two or three people to help me out, but we don't have enough people. So I'm doing all the work. So I have to manage my time in a day. I'm telling you, we need people to do this. So if you happen to be an IT person and you're trying to level up, you're trying to get to that that coveted six figures or whatever. I'm telling if you know this stuff, you you can make it there. And they definitely need people um, all over the United States. But the main places that especially if you happen to be on the East Coast, they need a lot of people there to do this job. If you happen to be in um, in Colorado, they've got like six, five bases here that a lot of federal government positions are looking for people like yourself with your skill set. Um, there's places in Texas, Austin, Dallas, Fort Worth, um, Plano, Texas. All of those are really hot IT places. Southern California, there's a lot there. 
And then you've got um, some in California here and there. So you've got these pockets. Normally they hover around federal or big state jobs that they need GRC type people. If you're looking for work, there's there are jobs out there. Now you keep hearing about these layoffs of t Twitter's having layoffs and Facebook is having layoffs. And now Microsoft and Google are having layoffs and Amazon's having layoffs and all the IT sectors suffering. Listen. They're talking about the sectors, the very private, they're, they're talking about the public, the private sector that relies on stocks. Okay. Those businesses that are publicly traded that rely on stocks, they're hurting because their stocks are hurting. The entire, we're in a recession. Like the, the entire stock market is the whole SP 500, all the top 500 tech companies are all suffering because their stocks are down. So they, the reason why they get paid so much and the reason there's so many jobs is when, the, when, the, when the, uh, economy, the macro economy is hot. They can hire all these people and they can pay them $200,000. But when the stocks are down, they, it sucks because you get what you're getting now. They can't afford to pay all these people. They got to cut, they're cutting literally thousands of jobs, a high school worth of jobs. And the reason why is because it's very dependent on the market. It's very dependent on stocks. And when their stock is down, if Twitter's stock is down, if Microsoft's stock is down, the recession's happening, they got to cut people and they've got to cut the fat, so to speak. They got to only do, they got to stay lean. They got to only do what they can do. And that's it, right? So that's what's happening. But let me tell you something. In the, in the public sector, in the contracting world, working for federal, state governments, even some companies like especially big sectors, healthcare industry, banking industry, all of these industries that don't rely heavily on stocks, that they just have a service. They got a bunch of customers. Banks have a bunch of customers and clients that they have to help. They have to have documentation. They have to have compliance, governance, risk. The, these jobs have not slowed down at all. They have not slowed down at all. So, I mean, maybe a little bit. There might be a couple sectors that slow down a little bit. Okay, so let me, let me take that. <laughs> let me kind of dial that back a little bit. But my point is, there's jobs to do this. Now, let me explain a little bit deeper. Uh, where now I see you guys' questions. I'll answer those stuff in a second. But I, I really want to take this time to like educate some people on governance and how you can get in and what it all what it's all about. Let me show you the best way I can show you is kind of show you like what it does. What does governance do? Why is and I'm hoping that at the end of this, you'll see why it's important and why organizations need these people. All right. So what I do is I make sure there's two main things I've done as a governance, as a GRC type person. Okay. First of all, my title is an information system security officer. I've done this for many, many years, all the way from back when I was in the Air Force. I've been out of the Air Force for 15, 18 years now, or whatever it is. But um, so um, what I do is there's two main things. One is maintaining the security posture of an organization. And that's a fancy word of say, for saying maintain the, the current level of security of the organization. The security is like this, and now we've got to maintain it. And also, if it's not good enough, we got to bring it up a little bit. But mainly, we're just maintaining the current security state of, this, of the organization. They have a certain level of firewall controls they have to have. They have a certain level of lockdowns on features on the, each individual computer or laptop, whatever, servers, whatever. We have to maintain that. We got to make sure that that stays because the IT market is constantly changing. Threats are constantly changing. So that's actually very challenging. It might sounds easy, but it's very challenging to do this, especially in the larger environments where you have complex um, networks. Uh, 
Um, another thing we do is continuous monitoring. The way we maintain the security posture of the organization is to do continuous monitoring. That means monitoring the network. Like we're constantly looking at that. We're doing scans of the network. We're seeing what's been plugged into the network. We're uh, looking at um, the security events that are running on the router switches and the and the the laptops and, and everything. We're looking at all the data that's coming in. Um, we're also looking at the documentation and the processes. When documents come in, we, uh, when we have documents every year, we got to make sure that it's still up to date. Because if we used to be on Microsoft and now we're on Red Hat, we got to make sure that the documentation reflects what's going on. So we're looking at documentation. We're looking at the systems. We're looking at pr processes and procedures, the documentation, making sure it's up to date. So, and that's a very big part of the job as well. Another thing we're doing is um, security implementation of se security impact assessments. If something, a major change happens on the system, like we have a major application, we have a major server come in, whatever, we've got to make sure, okay, is this going to change the current uh, net security posture? We, is this going to change how our system is running? Is it going to open up a new hole? Is this is this application even um, something we should have on our on our network? Right? Is it is it allowed to be on our network? That's stuff that we as security experts, as as cybersecurity people, have to determine. And we're looking at things like, okay, well, what's the current? What is this software? First of all, if we're putting this new software. What is it? Let me see. Is it open source? Is it on our list of stuff that we can have? It has it been vetted? Has it been? Uh, is it just an update to our security? Like those are the kinds of things that we're doing as a GRC type uh, people. Like those are the positions. That's the kind of stuff you're going to do. If you are thinking about getting into this field, there's a few things that you need to know that are going to set you up for success. If you know these things, I'm talking about just knowledge. If you know these things, especially if you're an IT person, if you're an IT person, you've been doing this for some time. I'm talking about a year, six months, whatever, even six months, right? Even three months. Hell, depends on how much data you can uh, you can observe, uh, absorb. So if you have any type of IT experience, I'm talking to you right now. All right. Let me. I'm going to about to enlighten you. You probably have already done some level of GRC in your organization. There's a very good chance. And let me explain why. I'm going to show you a few different frameworks that once you see these, you'll, a light's going to come on and you're going to be like, I, I have done some of this stuff before. I've done this before. Um, it took me a while too to understand, like I've been doing this for a long time. Like when I was on the help desk, I didn't realize how much security I actually have done. If you happen to be a military person, you probably at some point in your military career, even if you haven't been doing IT, you've done some level of operational security before because it's, 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 um, baked into the cloth, so to speak, like as a, as a, as a military person, you have to have operational security at all times. You know, so you have if you have done there's a few fields that lend themselves to these things. One is, of course, IT, IT services, any kind like help desk, customer service, technical services, even cable, uh, cable guy, cable jockeys at some point. If you have been in the military, you've had some uh, exposure to physical security, operational security. Um, you know what procedures, you know what uh, um security operations procedures are, our standard operating procedures are, these are all part of GRC. If you've not been in the hospital, if you've done HIPAA before, if you have any education on HIPAA type stuff, 
if you've done any kind of another industry is a financial sector, they're very familiar with auditing, uh, which is assessments. So all of that stuff is is we have to know this stuff in order to do our job more effectively. But let me break this down even further so you can understand what I'm talking about. I'm trying to give you a visual representation of this. So just bear with me real quick. I've got a couple things prepared that I'm going to show you now. This is going to be a little bit shaky on because uh, I haven't nailed down my process here on TikTok. So just give me a second here. I got to switch the screen so I can show you what we're looking at on YouTube. Now, if you want to get a better picture of what we're talking about, the best thing to do is switch to YouTube. If you, I'm on combo, I'm called combo courses on YouTube and Facebook. If you want to know, if you want to have a better visual of this, but here we go. Let me switch this over at YouTube here. Our YouTube and Facebook. Okay. So what you're looking at are what's called security controls. If you have done any of these things before, you have dipped your toe into GRC. And it more than likely you have. You probably don't know what you're looking at right now, but let me let me kind of explain it. Let me just take a couple out that you probably have exposure to. So AC controls are access controls. If you've ever had anything to do with access controls, controlling access into the environment, if you've opened up accounts, if you've closed accounts, user accounts, if you changed passwords, that that's actual um, identification and authentication. So you've done that before. If you've ever had a security incident where somebody tried to break in or there was a breach or a data leak and you had to do anything with this, that's called incident response. If you've done any kind of maintenance on some of the main systems, yeah, that's right. Maintenance. Maintenance is a part of this. So it's very important to, that an organization has continuous maintenance on the organization. That means you've done some piece of GRC. You see how broad this is? Yeah. So you have, see how broad this is? If you've ever done training, if you've done audit, uh, turned on audit logs, if you've done configuration management, if you've done contingency planning, like there's a disaster happens, what's the organization going to do if there's a disaster? If you've written these, if you've participated in these, if you had to close the systems off, take them out and then set up another alternate site, that is contingency planning, disaster recovery. Um, all of these things are part of GRC. You just have to know how to put this in your in your um, resume. Now, let me show you. This is this is government stuff, by the way. This is government. If you've done this stuff, you have this on your resume. You are familiar with these. These are security best practices. These are done all over the industry. Now, the private sector uses something called CIS controls. And even if they're not using, quote unquote, specifically these CIS controls, they're using the best practices that are in the CIS controls. And let me explain what I'm talking about here. What I have, what you're seeing here is a map of CIS controls that maps directly to some of the government controls. What you'll notice is that there's a lot of overlap. See, on the left, on the right-hand side over here, you have government controls. Government, actually, these, these apply to anyone, not, not just government, but they came from uh, the NIST, which is a government agency. Uh, but these are for any, any kind of, these can be used in the private sector as well, is what I'm trying to tell you. So these are all um, federal um, uh, subcategories of that map to security controls. These are private sector CIS controls. Now, let me show you what we're talking about here. Now, I mentioned like if you've ever done any of the stuff on the list that I showed you before, um, yeah, you've done some level of security compliance. You've done some level of what's called GRC. Um, you've done security practices, but let me show you what I'm talking about here. Let's say you've, you've set up an account before and you had to change passwords on it. 
You had to set up a bunch of people and you had to do passwords. So look, check this out. Every organization has to have unique passwords, not only a unique uh, username, but a unique password. Have you have you set that up? So if you have, that's CIS 5.5.2. So you can, once you read through what these controls are, you can put this stuff on your resume. You just have to know how to annotate it. Now, if you're interested in how to actually annotate this stuff on your resume, let me just um, kind of enlighten you guys real quick. Um, this is another thing I'm, I have a specialty on. Um, I've got a couple of books that I've wrote and written about this. Um, and if you're interested in that, you can find them in uh, on my site, convocourses.com. But you can also find these on Amazon. Wherever you happen to shop for books, um, you can actually find these. And um, it walks you through how to actually how to create a resume, a cybersecurity resume and how to put these type of things on your resume. So I've got a, a few books. One is like a breakdown of like how your resume should be. It literally walks you through your resume, like what your resume should look like for cybersecurity. And then it talks about like how to put the keywords in there. This based off of the best practices, security best practices, how to put the, how to find the keywords for that, that are coming from what I just showed you. And then how to, um, how to actually market that, like how to put it all over the place. So you start to get all these opportunities pouring in for people looking for you. Now you can do this if you have very little experience. You can do this if you've been doing this for 10 years and you're just trying to level up. All, it applies to everyone. So if you're interested, link in description, lip, link in bio, check it out. There's free. I have a downloadable free resume. Who, who is doing this? Who is doing what I'm doing? I, I'm not sure that there's many people doing what I'm doing. Free resume. My resume that I use to actually get jobs, to get employed all the time, making six figures, working from home, living the dream, right? I'm still trying to level up, so I'm not satisfied. I'm still trying to go to the next level. Don't get it twisted. But I'm, I know that I am very blessed. Like I make more than most Americans because I'm doing the stuff I'm trying to tell you guys how to do. I've got some more stuff coming I'm still working on the website and the back end. So it's going to take me a while to develop all that stuff. But in the meantime, you can go and link description, go to Convo Courses. The site's kind of janky. But if you look through there, there's a bunch of free stuff that you can download, including my resume. And then you can also check out my books on Amazon, on um, Barnes & Noble. on I try to put them, trying to uh, Kobo and all, every, trying to put it everywhere. Um, so just if you just Google Combo Courses book, you probably find it. Um, but also link in description, all that kind of stuff. So I'm just I'm trying to help you guys out. But let's kind of continue on what we we're saying here. We're talking about um, breaking down what the uh, security. Now these things are called frameworks. Okay, S security frameworks, risk frameworks is another word for them. Risk management frameworks, security frameworks. But all of these things. What they're doing is uh, what these somebody said, I don't like to read. Do you have a video type training? Yes, I have video training. So if you go to combocourses.com, mostly what I have is video training. I also have audio books. I, I love audio books. Like I, I mostly use audio books. I can, you know, if I'm driving, commuting somewhere or, or whatever, washing dishes, I can just listen to it and then come back to the actual book. You can you can download it. You can actually print it out. You can actually listen to the audio book. And I have a video that walks you through line. But now the video and the audio cost more. It takes me longer to do. So 
um, yeah, there's that. So let me let me switch the screen here so we can continue with the this training here as best I can. So what we're looking at here is a CIS control. So let me just give you an introduction of what CIS controls are. CIS controls are basic security, uh, basics, best security practices. Now, if you're familiar with SANS, SANS, I believe, are the original organization who created this. SANS are the guys who run um, a couple of GIAC certifications was a high level cybersecurity certification that specialized in everything from forensics to cybersecurity analyst work to all kinds of stuff. Those guys that originally made this, this is this stuff is legit, man. And so this is a mapping. You can download this for free. This is for free off the internet. You can just Google this if you want to see what I'm seeing here. But uh, I just showed this just to show you that you have more than likely are familiar with some of this stuff, with some of the stuff that I'm showing you. So let me um, let me show you a little bit more stuff here. Okay, cybersecurity framework. Okay, there's another one here that I'm trying to show you guys, and unfortunately, this thing just freaking dipped on me. It's not opening up, but it's all right. I can still I can still teach this. All right, here it is. Okay, here it is. My bad. Okay, so here it is right here. And um, I see you guys. I'll talk to you guys in a minute. I'm just, let me just finish this training. Uh, I see your questions and everything. Okay, so here we go. So what you're looking at here is the NIST security, uh, cybersecurity framework. And this breaks down the controls an organization is supposed to have. It starts off with the functions. Like a function that an organization should have is to identify. What are you identifying? You're identifying the business environment, the assets that are on your network. That means your systems, your all of your devices, your nodes, everything. Um, your risk assessment. Does the organization have a risk assessment? Does the organization uh, has risk have risk management? Does the organization so have a supply chain uh, supply chain risk management? Um, another thing that the organization is supposed to do, another function is to protect. What are they protecting? They're protecting the data security in the organization, information protection uh, process and, and procedures. They have they should have maintenance. Remember, we talked about maintenance, protect uh, protective technologies. That's like firewalls, stuff like that. IDSs, IPSs, securing all your your uh, information detecting how do they detect if there's an anomaly how do they detect if there's a cybersecurity risk or something going on um respond how do they respond once they detect the 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 security the vulnerability once they detect the threat once they detect whatever how do they respond to that threat that's trying to uh exploit that vulnerability and then recover once the system is let's say it is exploited let's say that there is a disaster how do they actually recover from all of that stuff? Now, the functionalities of an organization, this should be in every organization, from hospitals to banks to uh, GameStop, wherever, everyone should have these things on there. Because think about it, if you're anywhere, even in retail places, you're using your credit card, don't you want to know that the organization has asset management? They know where all their important computers are, especially the ones that have your credit card information. Don't you want to know that they have a, a secure business environment? They have good governance. So they have policies, procedures. So if the system goes down and has your important information, they can bring it back up quickly. 
these are all things that every organization should have, even if it's a government, it doesn't even matter. Like everybody should have this. Then they break it up into subcategories. And I'll just read a couple here. One is making sure that the organization has a physical, they they know where their physical devices are and their software is. They have a they're keeping track of all that stuff. And then it breaks each one of these down into um the different controls families. And these map to um the NIST the CIS controls, uh, international controls, and then you can even map these to actual government security frameworks. So if you know one security framework, it's very it's very easy to understand all of these because they all map, they all follow the same basic security practices. So all, just kind of to bring this home and just to kind of explain like why this is so important, why this makes so much money, um, is because it's very it's in a very important job. That's why that's why it does so well. It's a it's a very important job for every organization to have to protect our data. Whenever you go to the store, you know that's our data. If you go to your bank, that's our data. If you go to the hospital, that's our data. GRC is there to protect our data. And a lot of these data breaches, these big data breaches on Uber, on Twitter, on wherever, a lot of them are happening. Because they're attacking the weakest link, which is the user that's sitting in the it's they're sitting in the offices of Uber or in the offices of Twitter, and they happen to not be doing these security practices that I'm showing you. That's that's what happens. Uh, most if you look at most of the breaches, most of them are happening because somebody in the organization is not doing what they're supposed to do. They're clicking on a phishing link because they didn't they didn't recognize that it's a phishing link. And then not only that, but the that that um, malware or malicious code gets into the network, and then they didn't secure the inside of the network. So now the that malware, that virus, can just propagate and do whatever. So that is what we that's what I where we come in. That's where cybersecurity GRC people come in. And let me tell you, it's not an easy job because a lot of times. Unlike some other IT jobs, you have to actually talk to people. You have to talk to upper level managers. You got to talk to technical people and you got to talk to users some, sometimes. So you have to be able to speak all their languages. If you're talking to an, uh, a manager, they just want to know, hey, kind of what's going on? What, what resources do we need to do this work? If you're talking to a C-level exec, which is another person you have to talk to, they want to they have they need a brief summary of how do we get from point A to point B, where are we at, what's the status right now? And it's got to be quick and straight to the point. You got to know what you're talking about because they ask you a question, you got to be able to go wide and deep. <laughs> so um then um the technical people, they're very pedantic, like they're very specific, like you can't just be general with them. You got to be very, very specific about what you're talking about, which is means you got to know some IT stuff. So if you come in the door, you want to do this IT. If you're thinking, Bruce, man, I want to do this. This is six figures working from home. I want to do this stuff. This sounds like something I want to do. You got to know some IT stuff. You got to know the basics of IT. I'm not experience in this job. I've met people with no hand. Very little hands-on experience. Very, very little to none. Um, so you don't absolutely have to have it in every position because some of them are very policy or project 
oriented where you don't have to know super technical. You don't have to have technical experience, I should say. But one thing that is not optional is you have to have some experience with IT. I mean, you have to have some knowledge of IT. I'm mixing my words up. But let me let me pull back. Let me make this clear as possible. Um, you don't have to have experience on IT, like you didn't set up a router, you didn't fix a, you know, a laptop in an organization, but you have to have the knowledge. You must have the IT knowledge. Where can you now? Your next question should be: well, Where do I get the training? Where do I get the IT knowledge? Where do I? Where do I even start? Where I started? Let me just tell you where I started. I started using in the military, and I started by you doing the CompTIA. I was I did a lot of hands-on stuff, but when I was going through the CompTIA. A plus certification. I didn't know anything. I didn't know how to. I mean, I was kind of a geek, so I, I did some stuff on my own. That, that's very also very important. Um, do some stuff on your own before you even start. Somebody said OSI model is a good start. Yeah, OSI model. That's another thing you need to know. But A plus certification is going to tell you hardware, software. How do those things interact? What's the differences between the two? It's going to tell you how does a computer even work? Like how does RAM work with memory? Work with uh, the CPU? How do those and with the motherboard, how do those things work? What are those things? It's going to break those things down. Do you have to know how um, how to set up and break apart a, a motherboard and put it back together and solder? No, you don't. You need to know. Uh, you definitely need to know how CPU works with the RAM and with the CPU and the motherboard. Like, how does the information flow? It's important to know that stuff because it's going to give you an idea of like how this can be exploited and knowing the stuff that I just showed you. Like if you actually go to the CIS controls, if you actually go to these controls, you'll actually start to get an understanding of where somebody could exploit these. And you're going to be thinking like, OK, now I know how the CPU works with the RAM. How could somebody exploit this? And somebody mentioned the OSI model. That's another thing you need to know. Basic networking. You need to know like how IP addresses work. What are the types of IP addresses? Um, what is a subnet mask? You don't have to go super deep. Like you probably don't need to know super deep mathematics of how IPs work and stuff like that. That's that's for the CCIEs, the CCNAs, the CCMPs. Like if you want to go super deep into the Juniper and all that kind of different uh, technologies, then yeah, at some point you're gonna have to know a little bit of math and all that kind of stuff to go super deep on how to do that. But on the beginning, on the early stages of it, you just need to know. What, how does networking work in general? And somebody mentioned OSI model. Yes. TCP IP. How does it work? What's a three-way handshake? What's the difference between a TCP and a UDP packet? What are packets? You know, <laughs> like what, what are packets? How do they work? Like you need to have an understanding of how they work. And the reason why is because these things can be exploited. So us as cybersecurity people, we have to have a, enough understanding to know, okay, how could someone exploit this? So I can know when a vulnerability comes, when a threat, new threat arises on the internet, I can have a basic understanding of how this works. Now, if I need, sometimes I have to know very deep details into this stuff and I have to go to Google. I have to go to Google and figure out, and I know enough to where I'm not, I'm not confused by the jargon that they're using. So that's the thing. You have to know the jargon enough and how all the little parts and pieces to the organ, uh, to a system to understand, you don't get lost in the jargon when you're reading an article on an, on the latest uh, exploit, you kind of have an understanding. Okay. I see how they're exploiting this. I get it. Okay. They're hijacking your link and sending it to this other place. Okay. I, I get that. You got to know how, like, how networking works to understand, you know, the bait. So you can read through an article and figure out like what's going on. So you know where, what to protect and how to protect it. 
So um, we talked about OSI model, net basic networking. You need to know like the infrastructure, the the architecture of a of a system. Um, cloud computing is is a one that you need to know. Um, mobile computing is another one, and a couple basic things. An A plus certification, the body of knowledge that it has, is very good uh, to understand the common body of knowledge. Somebody said common body of knowledge of network. Uh, and security, very important. So CompTIA has a network plus, a security plus, and an A plus, and it can break all that stuff. I'm not saying you have to use those things. Those are stuff I use. And security plus is actually very marketable, and A plus is pretty marketable as well. Network plus, not so much, but great source of stuff, great, great beginning to if you're trying to get your uh, knowledge uh, stronger. So that's it. Um, I've got so much more to teach on uh, on GRC stuff. I have so many more resources, and I I would like to uh, have. I'm gonna. I'm working on having a better infrastructure so I can actually walk you guys through this kind of stuff on a live. Um, once I set everything up, and I'll have a, a place where you, I can send you to have a deeper conversations on this. For now, I have combo courses. It's got videos. It's got free downloadables. It's got free. I've got free courses that I did a long time ago. It's talking about all the stuff I'm talking about here. I've got um, a complete course, especially if you work from the um, the government and you're an information system security officer. You're trying to learn this stuff. Really good stuff there. Um, some of the, it's some of the best stuff. Um, everybody who's gone through my course, most of the people who've gone through my course have, have given me kudos and said, "Man, this is really good." I, I have a bit, very good understanding of what is going on. And then also, if you want you don't have the funds for this and you're just trying to learn and you don't even know if you want to go in deeper on this, just keep following me. Follow me on TikTok. Follow me. And the best stuff is on YouTube. I'm starting to put more stuff on, on Facebook if you happen to like that platform better. But I've got tons of free stuff that some of I've got literally hours and hours and days and weeks of worth of stuff that I've taught over the years. I've been doing this since. I don't know, 2014 that I've been posting stuff. So go ahead and check it out. And let me go through some of these questions. Okay. KP55 says, um, just stopping by to say, hi, how you doing, KP? Uh, appreciate you. This guy's been following me for like uh, a long time. <laughs> um, uh, let me see. I've got some other questions here on TikTok that I'll answer. Are you on LinkedIn? Yes. I'm on LinkedIn. Um, let me see if I can show you guys my LinkedIn account. If you guys want to join me on LinkedIn, my complete resume is there. I'm, you can see I'm a real person. Um, the, you know, I don't put my I don't put my personal information on social media at all. But um, all the stuff that you need to reach me is all there. So let me just log into this site. Um, and I'll show you guys how you can how you can join me on LinkedIn. I'm on LinkedIn. Um, I've got two different ones on LinkedIn. If you go to LinkedIn, type in combo courses, you'll find me. You'll find my actual combo courses stuff where I post stuff like this on there. It's my my business site. But then also let me show you guys my actual LinkedIn page It's probably more useful to you. Um, so you can get an idea how to actually build your LinkedIn page here. Here I am on LinkedIn. Um, my, you go to LinkedIn and you type in, um, hold on, let me switch this. Oh, here we go. So if you, if you type in my link is Bruce dash CISSP dash RMF. 
if you type in just I think if you type in, let's see, Bruce, 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 if I can type Bruce, C-I-S-S-P, R-M-F, you should be able to find me. Nope. <laughs> I was wrong. <laughs> but uh, oh, here I am. Yep. People go to people. And then there I am right there. Bruce, C-I-S-S-P, uh, uh, R-M-F, and you'll you'll find me under people. And um, what I would do if I were you, especially if you're trying to get in this field, is copy what I did here. Don't copy what I say. Copy what I do. If you do that, uh, you'll be successful. But there I am on LinkedIn. Let me see. What's the next question? Next question is, um, let me see. Are you, you are one of my favorite resources. Thanks, man. I appreciate that. I got a lot more coming. Uh, let me, I'm going to start from the very beginning. I got so many questions and stuff on, on faith, on TikTok. And, um, uh, if you guys are on, um, following me on Facebook, on YouTube and Twitter, I will be answering questions on all of these platforms. I don't know why I even keep Twitter around, to be honest with you. I don't know what's the purpose of it. <laughs> I, don't know. I have no following there and nothing, but I just figured it's one of the biggest platforms. So I better. OK, if you're in cyber, um, you have to know uh, a lot about a lot. Um, I would say it really depends on your job, but you have the right idea. Like cyber, uh, cybersecurity people tend to have they, they tend to be a master of none, but a jack of all trades. They tend to be have many different skill sets, um, but don't they're not usually deep in one thing. Those people who are deep in one thing, like really, really deep in one thing and the jack of all trades, those are specialized people. There are not many of them. And um, those guys get snatched up quick. So if that's you, if you happen to have a specialty already, like if you happen to already be a network person, you're deep in networking or you're deep in programming, uh, software engineering, you're deep in something. And then you start to broaden everything out and start to learn cybersecurity stuff like the, the how can I hack a server? What what? What kinds of best security practices do I put on a server and versus a workstation versus a router? Like if once you start knowing stuff like that, what kind of security features in an organization should you have? Once you start knowing stuff like that, you're going to be highly sought after, especially if it's on your resume. That's what's happened to me. I'm very deep in one thing, but also I, I know cybersecurity. So I, I'm, I'm highly sought after. I, I don't have a problem getting a job. I'll put it to you that way. And I'm trying to help other people to under, to get where I'm at because I know this, you know, this world's hard enough, like especially with the recession and, and us being in this capitalistic world, like we had money is this like we need it to survive. Right. So I'm trying to do this because I really don't have a problem with with income. And I've been able to use a lot my large income to actually start businesses, buy real estate, do other things I like to do. And I, I want this for other people who are interested. If you if you happen to be one of these people who are willing to do the work, who are willing to study, who are listening to what I'm saying, you know, and willing to be mentored, this is your opportunity. You can literally listen to look what I'm doing and copy what I'm doing. Listen to what I'm saying and implement it in your own life, you know, and, and this can change. This can change your whole life. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I'm. I have been traveling the world doing this stuff because I, I work remotely. I have I have had a great life. You know, I mean, it's not perfect. I'm, I'm not you know, I'm, 
I have the same problems everybody else has. The difference is that I make a hundred thousand dollars a year. <laughs> That's the difference. And it's it's definitely helpful. Like money is not gonna make you happier, but it's definitely gonna take some problems away. Like you're gonna be able to fix a lot of problems that you might not otherwise have been able to to fix. You know what I mean? Like, and this is not an easy position. This is not easy when I do. Like when I on the week when I'm when I turn this off, you know, and I and Monday hits, I'm in my job. I'm sitting in a chair doing my job all day, and it's not easy, you know. So this is not get rich quick by any stretch of the imagination. But I'm telling I'm telling you, if I can do this, you can do it too. If you want to change your current situation, you know. So that's that's why I'm doing this. That's why I talk about this stuff. Um, let me see. Mel Cobb says. Just started a CGRC position. Um, uh, okay, just just started a CGRC position. Is fair a good cert? Is fair so fair is a cert? Let me see what you're talking about here. I've never heard of fair. It's always a bad sign if I have not heard of the of the certification. Like people keep asking me about the IBM cybersecurity cert. I'm not saying. I don't think it's necessarily bad. I, I, I take that back. I don't think it's bad. It's just one of the best things about a cert. Some of them are very market, marketable. It's like, in other words, once you put it on your resume, it's going to reach some, it's going to bring you some job opportunities. So fair, let me see, GRC. Fair, what is that? Is that a certification? I've not heard of this before. Um. I don't know about this certification called is fair a good certification. I've not heard of this and I'm looking for it and I can't even I can't even find it. Um, and I apologize. I, I'm not I'm not familiar with that cert, but I can tell you a few certs that I would recommend. Mel, I would recommend I would highly recommend a couple of few. I would recommend um, CISSP if you can get it. That was kind of high level, but that's one of the best GRC certs there are. Um, it's a professional level cert, not easy. They're expecting you to already have five years experience or something like that in specific cybersecurity fields. Um, but that's one of the, that's one of the top ones. Another one is called C-Risk from ISACA. Another one is called, uh, CISA. That's a really good one, especially in the, um, certain sectors. Like I believe the financial sector really knows what that one is. Another one is security plus is actually very good. Like a lot of um, positions will take a security plus. That's a, especially if you already know basic best practice, best security practices that's on your resume and you know, CIS and you know, NIST 800, or you're familiar with uh, NIST 800 or ISO 27001 or any one of the other frameworks, PCI compliance, HIPAA, you got to put them on your resume. Those are compliance um, standards. You got to put that stuff on your resume. But if you know that stuff and you have a security plus, and that's a huge plus for you. Um, there's other GRC certifications, but those are the ones that come to top of mind when I'm thinking of uh, security certs. Cyber governance risk compliance. Oh, that's what you mean. Okay, I, I misread your comment. I'm sorry. So you, you're saying, so I've not heard of that one, but what I can do is I can do some quick research on, on this one. Wouldn't take me but a minute to figure out um, cyber governance uh, risk and compliance certification. Certificate. Let me see. I've seen that before. I've seen this one before. 
I don't know how marketable it, it is, but we could find out real quick. I'm going to show you kind of what I do to see how marketable a cert is. And once you see me do this, you'll be like, of course, <laughs> yeah, let me show you. Okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm not seeing, I'm, I've seen it on lists before. Whenever you see those big lists of top uh, certifications, I have seen it. So I'm just bear with me guys. I'm just doing a little bit of quick searching on what this cert is. CGRC, cyber governance. Okay, I wonder if you're talking about cyber, you're talking about the, oh, oh, you're talking about the cap? Are you talking about the cap? I have the cap. <laughs> what? Uh, yeah, okay, maybe you're, let me, Mel, let me see if you're talking about this one. And let me show you my screen real quick. I have the certification. Uh, they just recently changed the name of it to CGRC. Yeah, this is a this is actually one of the better certifications for, um, for, for GRC. Um, so they recently changed it to it's called Certified, if I'm not mistaken, Certified in Governance, Risk, and Compliance, not Cyber Governance, Risk, and Compliance. So, yeah, so they recently changed the name. Is it a good cert? Yeah, I mean, if you're especially if you're it's very focused on um, on NIST 800 security controls, um, some the process. So it's, it's actually focused on NIST 837, which is called risk management framework. So is it good? Yes, it's it's a good certification. I, I'm speaking from somebody who has it and um, it's. It's something that I can, it's kind of a feather in my cap. You know, I, it's, it's my specialty. So when I put it on there, it means something. Um, so yeah, it, it's going to mean something to especially or organizations who focused on the NIST 800. Um, here's some of the, the areas, the domains that you have to know. And it's, uh, it's actually walking you through um, all the processes that you have to do for the NIST 837. That's what this is. That's what this is doing here. And if you're not familiar with it, here it is right here. I was actually going to teach this today. This is a NIST 837. And it just breaks down like the process of government organization or not, not necessarily just government, but it's specifically for the government, the fed, US federal government. But it's so well done that a lot of other organizations around the world uh, refer to this. They're very familiar with it, especially the larger organizations. So that is, see, if you're talking about the CGRC, formerly known as CAP, it's a great certification to get. It's I didn't I didn't mention that one, but that is one of the top ones that you can get. Somebody said, "What about?" Uh, Mel said, uh, "ISC 2CC." Um, yeah, so that is a recent certification that's coming from the ISC 2 squared. ISC 2 squared, this organization right here is these are the guys who are responsible for the CISSP. These guys know what they're doing. So the great thing about this organization here, and it's if you want, if you're familiar, if you are wanting to get to this organization, it's just isc2.org. And so this organization, they're very good at breaking down what you need to know for a certification. And they're very, they're even better at marketing. And that's why CISSP is one of the best it is considered everybody knows what it is. That's that's the thing. When you're talking about certifications, organizations, the HR department, the managers, the the C-level execs, they have to know what it is because they use that to vet 
to determine whether or not you know what you're talking about, whether it's with cloud or networking or or whatever, whatever specialization or subject matter expert you happen to be in, if you have a certification in it, it's basically telling the world, hey, this person knows. It's kind of like the equivalent of like a, a bar. When when a lawyer passes the bar, you know, it's it's an indication that this person knows knows the law. Right now, that being said, you can't just go off a of certification. You have to actually know what you're doing. So at some point, they're gonna they're going to test you on it. Somebody's going to check you. So don't lie. Don't lie about it. Know what you're talking about. All right. So let me see. Um, I work in healthcare. We use high trust. Oh, wow. Really? So is high trust is a, let me see. I didn't know about this high trust. You just educated me, man. I'm excited. I trust. Is that a certification or is that a, what is that? I want to know what this is. High Trust Alliance. Hmm. Information Risk Management. Look at that. Holy crap. I probably already know this. <laughs> you know what's wild is once you know one cert, once you know one, you kind of know them all because they use the same thing. They use the same security best practices. They use some variant of this. They use some variant of this with the security control families. That's what they do. Um, and security control families are these. They use this in conjunction with, uh, let me see, uh, let me see, um, this. Yeah, they use these two things. So once you know one, high trust, I guarantee you, uses some variant of what I just showed you. And the reason why I know this is because I, I went, I was working at an organization and they're like, hey, you know, uh, we need somebody to do PCI compliant, uh, PCI DSS assessment. And I'm like, okay. Um, and they're like, well, okay, Bruce, you, you, we're going to have you do this uh, PCI assessment on these systems here. You know, we, we had this organization, we have to do PCI. And I'm like, well, I've never done that. I know what PCI DSS is, but I've never done an assessment on it. And then they say, oh, yeah, well, we'll walk you through it. And then, you know, we're, you just do these things, this follows checklist, and then you'll be done, right? And then look at these systems here. They gave us access to systems, and then we do these checklists or whatever. So I start doing the checklist, and I'm like, this is really familiar. <laughs> like, this is this is the NIST 800. This is security control assessment stuff. And then we switch gears, and we're doing another system, and we're, we're like, having to map uh, NIST to CIS controls. And I'm like, this I do this stuff all the time. So I, I'm like, I know the CIS controls. And then we switch gears and we're doing ISO 27001, which is an international standard. And it's the same stuff. So if you know one, if you can map, if you know one, you can map to all the other ones. You'll know what they're talking about. They'll use different terminology. They'll have different boundaries. They have different uh, uh, assets, of course. They have a different environment. They have different things they need to protect, right? Different assets, all that stuff. But it's really the same stuff. Like once you know one, you kind of know you have a very solid understanding of all of them. So it's kind of crazy. It's 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 amazing, actually. It's actually amazing. I had no idea how important, how 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 valuable this information was. I had no idea. But now I'm learning, like now I'm just late in the game. I'm learning how how 
how valuable this information that I know is. All right, let me see. Because I hated this stuff. When they when they pushed me into this stuff in the military is when I started. They were they had me doing a military variant of all the stuff I'm teaching you. And I hated it. I wanted to do I want to be a hacker or something, you know, like set up firewalls or something. And I got to do all that kind of stuff. But what I learned is that field, all these other fields that are very technical and very narrow, like if you're networking or if you're doing firewalls and each one of those, not only are they very competitive, but they change hourly. And I'm not that's not hyperbole. I'm not exaggerating. They change hourly. So in a, if you haven't touched it in, in, in three months, you're out, you're out of pocket. Like you don't know what the hell you're talking about. If you haven't touched it in three months, you got to, there's going to be new stuff that comes in. There's going to be new patches, new configurations, new this, new that. I mean, commands probably be the same, but there's a new iOS for Cisco router. There's not, I used to be a, 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 a CCNA guy. I used to be a guy set up networks. This was years. This was, it was a long time. It was like 10 years ago. And now if I come in, now they're doing virtualized networks. They're doing all kinds of stuff I've never even heard of before. And so I to do that stuff, I'd have to know a whole new, I'd have to start from scratch because I've been out of it too long. But there's some stuff I haven't done in uh, when I, I was out of, let me just give you an example. I was out of this field doing GRC stuff for three years. I didn't do it for three. I was tired of it. I was like, I don't want to do it. Got out of the military and I was doing, I was a Unix administrator and I, I was doing networking stuff. I was doing all hands-on stuff that I like to do. And I had been out of secure GRC information security officer work for three years. And then I quit my job, my old job, which was very competitive. And you had to know all the time, be on top of your game and wasn't even, didn't even pay that much. And then I went over back to my roots, which is this stuff, GRC stuff, policies, procedures. And then I picked it up like that because nothing it doesn't change as often It's evergreen. It, it changes maybe every six, seven years, like maybe every literally like every six, seven years, they'll do an upgrade and it's built on the stuff that they did before. So a lot of times it's not that big of a stretch. I mean, the NIST 800, NIST 837 changed from rev three to rev four to rev, rev one to rev two and it all it didn't it's not that big of a change i mean then rev one to rev two and the security controls have changed a bit but even those aren't haven't changed that much so all right let me see i got some more questions here i'm not going to ask answer too many more Somebody said, everyone hates cyber infrastructure calls us the dark side. <laughs> That's a great comment. Why everyone hates cyber. <laughs> oh, that's a good one, man. That's, that's so true. They freaking hate our guts. <laughs> um, yeah, um, so we, we're the bearers of bad news a lot of times. That, that brings, brings up a great point. In cybersecurity, one of the reasons why it's kind of stressful is because uh, sometimes we have to we have to be the bearers of bad news. Like we have to tell them that their baby is ugly. A lot of times, like we gotta, they bring the baby in, and we're like, hmm, how can I say this? <laughs> this thing that you've been working on for nine months that cost you five point three million dollars. You got some. You got some. The eyes are too far apart. Uh, 
The ears are too small. The forehead's too big. You got to be. And then they, they're like, you calling my baby ugly? And they're ready to rip your eyes out, you know. But you got to be like, listen, I'm not, you know, <laughs> the baby's ugly. I'm sorry, you know. But, okay, so let me. <laughs> Let me explain. So um, you're you're the bearer of bad news. Like you got to tell them if there's a new exploit, um, you've got to tell them that uh, we've got to upgrade. We got this patch and now we have these vulnerabilities on on all hundred of our systems and we have we have to fix it. You got to tell them, hey, we've got to protect this data, this information here. This information just came down from the government and we, all of us have to protect it. Um, how can we protect it? Right. And, and the organization's thinking to themselves, okay, we don't, we just spent our budget on taking our infrastructure to the cloud. Like that, that was $3.5 million. Now you're telling us we got this other job on top of that. We got another $400,000 worth of work we got to do on the system. Is that what you're telling me? Is that, that's cause it sounds like that's what you're telling me. Right. And why didn't you tell me this before? And you're just a you're just telling them like what you got this information from a scan like a there was a vulnerability assessment and they they saw that these vulnerable these systems are vulnerable these, their legacy systems whatever the case may be and you've got to take that report and say yeah so it looks like we have this problem that problem on the network we got to fix these things and your job is to articulate how to how we can fix it together and really one of the nuances of this. And, and a lot of newer people don't understand this. They like come in there like, you must listen to me. That's how it is. I'm the boss. I'm cyber. This is why people hate us. I'm I'm telling you this house got to be. Why is this on the network? They're all pissed off. You know, <laughs> like they come in like I'm the police. Right. They're stomping people in the face, trying to punch people, telling people what they can and can't do, trying to tear people out of their car without probable cause, putting guns to people's heads. You know, they're not, they're not being, they're not policing. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know, there's a way to do this that doesn't necessitate uh, unauthorized beatings, right? Like the way I approach it is, is to use, we're on the same team. Yes, I'm the, I'm the bearer of this bad news, but it's a challenge, right? It's not something we can't do. And I'm not anybody's boss. I'm just a newscaster. Like, I'm just telling you what we have to do as an organization. That's how I approach it. I don't come in as like, you will do what I say. I know everything. I'm going to tell you. I'm having this issue right now with, with the organization I just got hired at where I've got some some of my colleagues saying, look, you, you're the ISO. You got to tell them how it's done, period. This is, you gotta, this is how you got to tell them. You're supposed to be tasking them to do this and that. And I'm thinking, well, if you come in like that, you know, it's it just it's a bad relationship. I'm not even the one implementing all the security features on the system. I'm just telling these guys how to, to do it. But my if my approach is pointing a gun in their face and telling them they will do it, they're going to come at me different. So the way I approach it is like, like how can we fix it? What do you guys suggest? Here's the problem that we have to fix. You see that that keyword is we. Like, here's what we have, guys. How can we fix this? What can we do? What can what what approach can we do? And I put it in their hands. 
because we all have to do these guys are subject matter experts. They've been working this stuff for a long time. They're touching the systems. They're touching the system. They're going to know more than me. Who, a guy who's been doing this over 20 years, they're going to know more than me because they know the environment. So why would not listen to these subject matter experts who know what's going on, who has to talk directly to the customers every day, who work with this server? Like, why would not listen to these people? But some noobs, like somebody said, cybersecurity people will come in and say, you will listen to me. This is how it's going to go. Why are you guys doing? And then they panic. Like, don't panic. Don't panic. Don't don't. First of all, let me tell you, this job takes a lot of emotional intelligence. This is not something that is put on a pedestal, you know, like a high IQ of mathematics or, you know, somebody who can code in their sleep or, you know, they're making movies about these guys or Elon Musk or whoever, genius engineers and stuff like that. These guys are put on these pedestals, right, in our society and rightly so, right? I'm not trying to take anything from their brilliance or whatever, you know, regardless of what what kind of controversial politi- political stuff you want to put on these guys. They're brilliant people. They're brilliant engineers. They they know, you know, they're very smart guys, right? And that's in our society is put on this high pedestal. Once not put on a high pedestal is emotional intelligence. And that is exactly what you need as a cybersecurity person, especially person, a person who's put in charge of managing the security risk in an organization or on a specific system. You got to have a high level of emotional intelligence where you're not you you are empathetic to the client or to the it person who's implementing or to the c-level exec who you're talking to you're you are empathetic to them you're 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 on the team you're their team you're feeling their pain and trying to figure out okay how can we what can we do to fix this right what can we do to get around what what solutions can we use to get this fixed because here's the problem we all have to look at the worst thing you can do is not report the problem, not not tell them, be too afraid to tell them. We have to have the emotional fortitude, emotional intelligence to come to them with the problem and then stay with them to come up with a solution and then articulate that solution to upper level management and say, look, it's going to take X amount of time. Right. Don't sugarcoat it like it's going to take eight months like, that's that's what my IT guys are telling me. It's going to take eight months to fix this. What can we do in the meantime? Is there anything we can do? Can we? Is there a document we can write? Is there mitigations we can do? In other words, can, is there we we can't have a firewall for we can't put this thing behind the firewall? But maybe there's something. Else. Maybe we can lock down all the ports on it so that no hackers can get. Because I understand the risk, but we can't do what you what the regulations are telling us to do. But maybe there's something workaround that we can do. And we'll just do some documentation if we get scanned or whatever to protect to CYA, cover our ass about this stuff. So that's kind of we're in the business of uh, of of communicating the problems and um, gathering solutions. And, And that's people hate us because we're the bearer of bad news and people hate us because some of the noobs, the cybersecurity noobs come in there, guns blazing. They they point their gun in a person's face. Before they uh, tell them, you know, what's going on. <laughs> like nobody likes that. Who likes that? If you're in the traffic stop and the cop comes and taps on your damn window with a gun in their hand. Like what what are you doing, bro? Like do you, what what are you what are you doing? Is this what they teach you in the police academy? That's not what I was taught when I was in the police academy. 
You're going to tap on somebody's window with a gun? It don't make no damn sense. And some security guys do that. And that's why they hate our guts. Because we don't have enough people with the emotional intelligence to, to see from the perspective of the person that we're reaching out to. You know what I mean? And some people just don't have it in them to do it. And they shouldn't be cybersecurity people, in my personal opinion. If not this, maybe they could be a firewall guy or they could be a, a SOC analyst or something else. But they can't do information security officer if they don't have emotional intelligence. They shouldn't do it. You know, so that's why they hate us. And there, there's a solution. But. OK, somebody said um, I apply on LinkedIn recruiters reach out, but I don't hear back um, in school for IT. Um, so Ajax, if you're if you're watching me, um, I have a solution for this. I get a lot of this. Download my first of all, download my free um, resume. So I've got if you link in bio, link in profile, whatever, like you'll find it. Um, it's free. Download it. And what you need to have is an ATS style, excuse me, ATS style resume. And it has to have the keywords on it. Um, and um, you need more recruit. What I found, let me just tell you what I've done to get these jobs, get so many opportunities. What I do is. I get so many opportunities that I have to turn stuff down weekly. Weekly, I'm turning down two or three different positions, right? I'm weekly turning. And and what, what I try to do is like not even read them because I'll be too tempted to leave. So sometimes uh, people will call me or message me directly. I was like, hey, I, you know, I'm not in the job market right now. I'm good. But here's I can send these out to you guys. I can. So sometimes I'll send out these messages on TikTok or wherever about these jobs I'm opportunities we get they sound good but i can't i'm already working i have so many opportunities coming in that i'm just turning stuff down and so what you're gonna do somebody said i lost audio can you guys hear me can you guys hear me lost audio any does anybody hear me okay i'm just gonna keep talking then um so what i do is um, I have a bunch of keywords on my resume, keywords that are very targeted for the job that I'm looking for. So it's back. OK, so keywords to that are very targeted for the type of job. If I'm looking for a cybersecurity analyst work, I'm going to look for keywords that are pertain to that. If I'm looking for an information security officer job, I'm going to look for keywords and key phrases that that uh, th that these recruiters are looking for. If I'm looking for a cybersecurity um a firewall job, then I'll, you know, whatever the case may be, I, I've, I create a resume and a profile to uh, key in on that particular job. Another thing I do is I put it on all platforms, not just LinkedIn. You can't just rely on LinkedIn. Most of my jobs don't even come from LinkedIn. You got to go on Monster, Dice, Indeed.com, uh, ZipRecruiter, Career Builder, USA Jobs, uh, pick your... I would take the top at least 10 and fully fill those out. It's going to take you some time, probably take you a day and a half to do it. First, work on your resume, put all the keywords, focus a targeted resume, then upload that resume, ATS style resume on all these different platforms. You're basically marketing yourself. You're allowing all these things to come in so that at some point, something's going to um, is going to convert. Like something's going to somebody's going to call you back. Somebody's going to be interested all that kind of stuff. I notice in recessions, I have a harder time. I have a harder time getting positions, but I'm still getting positions. Like there's less jobs in a recession, but there's not no jobs. It's, you know what I mean? Like there's jobs out there. There's not as many uh, when, when the economy's good. 
So that might be another reason. So those are the things that I would do, Ajax, if you're still watching. Um, you just got to market yourself better. Um, I found that especially if you have experience, man, you're 10 steps ahead of most people. And you should not only be able to get a job, but get a high paying job if you know how to market yourself. Um, so let me see. Please, where can I find your resume and template? OK, if you go right now to ComboCourses.com. Now, I apologize for the state of the site. I'm working on it. I'm trying to get a better way to filter people so that they know where my resumes are versus my GRC templates versus my whatever. I'm working on that. It's going to take me a while. I'd be doing that right now if I wasn't doing this live. But go to ComboCourses.com. On the very first page, you'll see a downloadable. You have to put in your uh, your username, um, your email, and you'll and it, then it'll allow you to download. And then I've got some other offers there too. It'll allow you to download the resume. And it's it's my resume that I've used. I kind of shortened it up, tweaked it um, so that you have what you're supposed to do. Like it gives you a very good uh, idea of what you're supposed to do. Now, if you want to go a little bit further, you want to have a walkthrough. I've got a book, an ebook, and a, a in print book that you can download. And it walks you through exactly what I did to create this resume. So you can do this for your resume. So um, there's where you can get it, combocourses.com. Go ahead and grab that. Um, it has also impact and action statements, impact and act, action and impact statements, how you word it, like pay special attention to how I word my, the different things. Like you want to put all that stuff in there. You want to have it secure, put your cybersecurity um, actions in there. Don't forget that. Like, yes, okay, you've set up a network. Great. You got to put the, security what security features did you put on a network what security features did you put on a on a on a switch or router or a server or, or systems that's the kind of stuff you need to do all right let me see um got some more questions here on tiktok somebody said um it's a little difficult to get training yeah grc is very difficult to get training and i imagine that's why um, my stuff sells pretty good um, is because it's it's difficult to get training in GRC. I'm trying to offer a little something more in depth. I'm working on a GRC type um, book and possibly a course that walks you through some of the stuff in very great detail of what I'm of how to, uh, to uh, of understanding of things like the CIS controls and versus the the IS. Uh, ISO, uh, ISO controls, ISO 27001, NIST 800, how they all mesh together, like how it all works. But right now I've got one for um, an information system security officer. If you happen to be doing that work, doing the uh, NIST 837, if you happen to do that, I've got a very good um, breakdown of how you do that. Link in description, link in and bio. Uh, go to combocourses.com. Look for all my courses. You'll see it there. You'll see some free stuff. You'll see some downloadables. Go ahead and check that out. Um, let me see. Somebody said, if you get your CISSP cert, um, you will get a job. Yeah, absolutely. Man, CISSP is fire. Uh, CISSP is very, I think they mean hard, very hard, but no experience. Um, would like to get that. Um, there's a hiring freeze now. Absolutely not. There's no hiring freeze. <laughs> not everywhere, I should say. You know, some places there might be. Um, but right now they're they're looking for people. I could tell you the organization I work for is definitely looking for people constantly. Cybersecurity people, uh HR people, um coders, they're looking for all kinds of people. Um, so it's 
there's a hiring freeze maybe at, at Facebook, at Google, at Microsoft, at Twitter, and then the news is just constantly pumping out all of this uh, fear, uncertainty, and doubt because the economy is bad. They do this every time. But they're looking at the 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 organizations that are focused on stocks like they they are able to pay people a lot of money because the stocks do really well they, you know used to do well i guess tesla you know um um apple um facebook microsoft all the they call fang organizations that's facebook apple amazon netflix Google, and I would add Twitter on there, and then maybe Tesla or some of these other big, the companies that are in the S&P 500, that have the best stocks. You you notice there's a direct correlation between our the recession and them laying people off. <laughs> All right. But cybersecurity uh, for the federal government, business is still good. We need people, right? It's slowed down. I'll, I'll admit to that. But we still need people to do cybersecurity work, and especially the stuff I'm telling you about. And not just the government, by the way, not just the state and federal government. The contractors who fund those jobs are looking for people like uh, to do the stuff I'm telling you about. Another area is um, the healthcare industry is looking for people because they need specifically have to be a nurse or something like that. And you happen to know a little bit about HIPAA. Like what I would do if I were you is I would get really smart on the compliance part. Of of hip of HIPAA, I would get really deep on that. That stuff that you hate learning, like when they force everybody to do stupid HIPAA, and you're like, "Damn it, damn it, I got work to do. Why you want me to do HIPAA?" That stuff pays like crazy, bro. The stuff I'm telling you now is related to HIPAA stuff. All right, so yeah, if I was in the medical industry, I would learn HIPAA like crazy. I would learn. I would be a HIPAA expert. You know, and, I would, and then I would I would go back to the same organization, and be like, hey, you guys need a HIPAA person. You put your resume out there saying, you know, HIPAA, like you have experience because you were a nurse doing HIPAA, like protecting records and all stuff. You work that stuff into your resume, you know, weave it into your resume real quick, put it out there. You can get a you can get a compliance job. Especially if you were in the healthcare industry, not, not just healthcare industry, but financial sector. Same. They have the same thing going. They need cybersecurity. Do you not see all these hacks and stuff that's happening? Do you not see these data breaches that are happening constantly? We need people to help protect these systems. We need people to educate. We need people to do the type of stuff I'm telling you. So, yeah. Somebody said, how about D PCI DSS? Yes, PCI DSS. That's PCI DSS is protection of um, credit cards, the credit card industry. That's like uh, whenever you go to Target, you go to Walmart, you go to hell, any name a big box, anywhere where you're sliding your card, anywhere you're using your credit card, actually. All those places that take a credit card, almost every place, right? They need to have what's called D, uh, PS, uh, PCI DSS, which is a standard that protects um, anybody who has a credit card reader or takes credit card information, the systems that they have to put that information in have to be protected. It has to have a separate network, just to name a few couple things. It has to have all the stuff that I, I was showing you. It has to, the organization has to know where all their systems are. They have to know where what all software they have. They have to have things like antivirus on those systems. Like if it's a computer, it should have those things be on like a separate network, might be, have to be encrypted. So 
firewalls, all that stuff has to be in their environment. All best practice, security best practice stuff. All that's PCI DSS. So yes, if you happen to know this, if you happen to be in the retail industry, you, if you touch IT and you're in the in retail industry, PCI DSS will be a good thing to know. You know, even if you haven't done it before, if you happen to have an IT background and you want to learn one of the security um, framework families, PCI DSS is a, is another really good one. Uh, HIPAA DS uh, HIPAA for um, is for compliance for hospitals and healthcare industry. Um, retail it it goes really deep into CIS controls and PCI DSS. Um, the banking industry has something called Sarbanes Oxley, and there's a couple of other ones that the IRS has their own, has another, it's a whole separate one. Um, and then you govern it. The government uses state and uh, federal. They use um, NIST 800 controls, NIST 837 to be precise. Um, you've got so every industry has these different set of security practices and a way to actually implement the security to minimize the risk. And if you know some of these things. It's money. Yeah. If you put that on your, if you work that in your, if you've done it before, yeah, put it on your resume and, and you will be surprised how many people will contact you. Okay. Let me see. Somebody said, um, almost says I got, I got security plus an IT system admin and still can't get interviews. It's your resume. It's your resume. Every time people tell me this and it's always their resume. Now, if you want to fix your resume, um, number one, you can download mine for free. It's in the link in description, link in bio. Check it out. Download that. Get an idea of what kind of resume, you, what you need to put on your resume. You'll notice that it's an ATS style, very simple format resume. And then you'll you also notice that I have a lot of keywords that's catering to my industry, which is cybersecurity. You got to put a lot of keywords. These are things that technical recruiters want to see. If you do not know what keywords to put on there, go on LinkedIn. Do yourself a favor. Go on LinkedIn right now. Type in the, the industry you want. If it's IT system administrator, type that in there. Look at the people. Search for people and then look at their resumes. Now people, Some people have, a, including mine, has a publicly available resume. Look at that resume and look at the keywords that they're using. The people in the top are specially um, are should be of a special interest to you because those people have done it the correct way. They have written their resume. Something The algorithm is picking up on something that they have done correctly. So you want to copy the types of keywords and key phrases and how they put it together. You want to copy what they're saying. Not exactly. Obviously, you don't want to copy exactly what they're saying in line the resume. Obviously. But you want to say like you want to have the, the same tone, the same types of things that you'll notice that there's a pattern between all of these top people. Look at about five resumes. You'll, you'll notice a pattern. There'll be like the, the way that they mentioned Microsoft 2019. The way that they mention system administrator, maybe they say instead of system, I'm a system administrator who's been working for eight years. Instead of saying that, they'll say work uh, conducted. Uh, con uh, they'll say something like installed Active Directory AD on 150 systems uh, for an organization of 5,000 people. I don't know. Like I'm just making that off the top of my head. I don't know what tell I'm talking about, but still say something like that. Like you got to look at their resume to get an idea of how you put your resume together. Once you have a solid resume that's comparable to the ones that you have seen, and it is an ATS style resume, you need to put your resume on every flipping platform. And this is the part people do not 
hear me. They do not. I don't know if they don't understand what I'm saying. I'm not sure, but people do not do this. You need to put it on LinkedIn. LinkedIn is the that's the beginning. Like, don't just put it on LinkedIn. Okay. Um, monster.com, um, dice.com, careerbuilder.com, ZipRecruiter. Put it on like 10 different job security. I mean, job aggregators, job like, like those job sites. Put on 10, like at least 10. I would, if you don't have a job, put on a hundred of them. Your job should be put posting resumes. Okay. And then when you get a job, now, this is important. Once you get the position, once you get the interview, forget the job. Once you get the interview, you need to contact me and be like, Bruce, thank you. Thank you so much because you owe me a, at least a thank you when you get the when you listen to what I'm telling you here. Because you will get if you do what I'm telling you to do, you will get an interview. You will get an interview. In fact, your problem will be choosing between which one you want. You'll get two or three interviews. You'll go through the interview and then you'll get a two offers and you'll be like, your problem will be, which job do I take? That's that will be what your problem is. I've been doing this a long time and that I just told you the secret sauce. I just told you exactly what to do. You don't have to buy another damn thing. If you listen to exactly what I'm saying, <laughs> you can literally do what I'm telling you to do and you will get a job. The only thing I ask is give me a thumbs up, come back and say thank you something like Bruce, man. Thanks a lot. I got a job. Thanks. Okay, let me see. Somebody said, um, it proves you know governance. Um, it, you don't know the technology. If you, if you, okay, I don't know what he's saying. There. Okay, let me see. Do you use IDS to monitor traffic in your work? Um, uh, we use, uh, um, we have a, it's a pretty large organization and we have a um, security operations team. This is standard with large organizations, a security operations team, and they sit down and they're constantly monitoring traffic. And then they'll use what's called a SIEM or a security information um, event manager or security or system or security information um, event manager and it just collects all the logs throughout the organization and so they'll have an ids or an ips in the environment and that's usually for the SOC people they usually use that the security operations center people which are system security analysts they just sit there and they just monitor traffic all day long and so that's one of the yeah i'm sure ids is and ips is, is is what we're using in our environment but um that seam is very uh very effective uh, let me see. What is the preferred method uh, for documents, doc structure and storage? What is the preferred method for document structure and storage? Is there a template? I'm not. I'm, if I understand you, and I don't. I don't know if I do two wheels but um if you're interested in knowing like structure of documentation which i'm very familiar with happen to be very very good at what i've done is i put together a collection of of what i would use if you have nothing else um a selection of free documents that you can download now i'm working on a site it will make it much easier to find these but 
but if, like if in a pinch, if you like really want to get these right now, you can go to my site, combocourses.com and download a GR, a set of NIST 800 documents that I've handpicked from the, like these are all free. This is none of this stuff is sensitive information. Okay. I work with sensitive information all day long. Um, there's not, I'm not going to jeopardize my career. <laughs> I've got to do this for like another 10 years or something. I'm not going to jeopardize my career for that. But all the stuff that I pulled down is all freely available from the internet. And I just compiled it together and put it, zipped it up and then said, guys, I recommend you use this. And it's the system security plans. It's system system assessment plans. It's system security um, templates. It's got um, Word docs. It's got Excel spreadsheets. It's got a bunch of stuff. So if you're interested in this, you happen to be special. If you happen to be an information system security officer and you need this and you're kind of like, man, what? how do I do? Where do I even start? What do I even do? Like how, how are these documents are supposed to look? I don't know a clue because that's what they do to us. They just, hey, you guys do it. Just go ahead and do this document here, right? I've been in that position before. So I, what I did was compile some stuff and some resources that you can use to to have some idea sample of what you're supposed to do with these documents um those you can find them on combocourses.com and if you search for the free stuff like you'll just scroll down at the bottom of the page and you'll see a bunch of stuff you'll see some courses that i've that i'm that i have in there very great courses by the way but you'll see some free stuff some free downloadable stuff and um that's the one you want like look for the free downloadables and i'll have a zip of all of the document structures and, and stuff that uh, that I that I would recommend that you use. All right, let me see. Federal hiring process is slow. Oh my God. Bark. Oh my Lord. Oh man. The cuss words that are going through my mind right now that I want to say. Yeah. Got an interview. He says, got an interview. Let me actually let me put this up. Bark says, I got an interview, and if they choose, it will be months before they hire. The federal hiring uh, process is slow. All right. Yeah, I got some stories on this one. Yeah, it's slow, man. Especially certain organizations are very, very, very slow. Like, um, I recently went through this. Um, I worked for NASA. I worked for DO, Department of Defense, different branches of the of the military. I worked with different or, federal organizations, and it is such a slow process. I mean, it just got slower for some reason. It's gotten twice as slow, and I think it's because of all that stuff that happened on January sixth. There's all these domestic terrorists. I blame it on the domestic terrorists. There's so many now. And uh, they've got to do a thorough background check on every person who's working for these organizations. And so that is what's happening is that they have to vet and make sure that you're not trying because there's so many domestic terrorists now in the U.S. because the U.S. is just so split. I'm not going to get into politics or anything, but we are. It's like two different. There's some people in, in the U.S. who would rather see Russia take over than the than the party that's ruling the U.S. right now. It's I don't, it's crazy what's happening to the United States. And because of that, the for them to hire a person, they have to make sure you're not a domestic terrorist to work for these departments. Because there's so many insider threats now. There's so many people who would rather collapse everything uh, than to have it work. And it doesn't, like, they're not thinking this through. They're not, whoever's doing this stuff is not 
They're not thinking that these people typically are not people who've traveled the world. They don't know how good the United States is. I mean, for all the flaws and all the stuff that's going on here, don't get me started on the problems here in the U.S. But for all the problems, other countries have worse problems. I'm telling you, other countries have worse. I know that's hard for some people to accept or believe, but I've been to 15 different countries. And I'm telling you, every country, number one, has problems, big problems. And some of most have worse problems than what we have here. And I am trying to tell you that it's, I'll just give you one example to give you an example. Okay. Thailand is one of my favorite places. I love Thai. The Thai people are so, they're such a beautiful people. They're so kind. They're so nice. I love Thai food. I love Buddhism. I love everything about their culture. I've been there five times or something. Um, I've been there by my, uh, with my, usually with my spouse at the time, spouse. <laughs> and I, I love Thailand, but did you know that, that Thailand has a monarchy and you better not say nothing about the king or the queen or anybody in the royal family. They will put your ass in jail for that. Say something on the internet and be in Thailand and get go, let it go viral. See what happens. See what happens to your foreign ass. And that's not the worst of it. I was there, um, and I told this story before, but I'm going to tell you real quickly, right? Every country has problems, like crazy, crazy problems. And you don't live there, so you don't see it. But I've been to some of these countries enough times to see how crazy bad they have. It's a human problem. We're the problem. Human beings are the problem. We're the problem. It's not some nation. It's not capitalism. It's not communism. It's us. It's us. But anyway, so back to the story. So I'm in Thailand and we, we enjoyed our time. We went to like um, Ayutthaya. We saw like the giant sleeping Buddha and stuff like that. It was beautiful. It was awesome. We were there. It was just, man, it was so amazing. The people were so nice. I had such a great time there. And it just, man, the food was great, everything. So we're on our way out. We get on the plane and there's something happening. Like we don't know. We're foreigners. We don't know what's going on. And we get on the plane. We get... And then we're in the air and we find out there's a coup. The military took over the government. And we're like, what? They shut down the airport. But we're already in the air. We're gone, right? But they shut the airport down. Nobody can leave. Nobody can come in because there's a coup. They just took over the government. And um, I'm like, what the hell? There's a coup. What happened? And um, they'd say, oh, yeah, this happens every three years or something. I was like, what? They have a coup? Like everything. Look it up. Google it. Google the last coup that they had. Well, the military took over the federal government. And then the monarchy has to come in and say, okay, guys, break it up. Break it up, guys. And the, the monarchy, like, I'm not, I'm not in Thailand right now, so I, otherwise I wouldn't say a damn thing. But, man, that the monarchy is – monarchies are BS, man. I'm glad I don't live in a monarchy. Anyway, so every my point is every country has problems, and – People don't know like how good they have it here in the U.S. It's it's very it's for all the problems we do have and we do have problems. I'm not saying it's perfect. I don't I don't personally believe that U.S. is the uh, the shining on the hill or whatever the hell that the saying is. We have problems. Right. There's huge problems. here. <laughs> but that being said, it's one of the best places in the world to live. You know, it it definitely is. 
Um, it's just, and that's sad to say, because I would like to say all oh, this other countries, maybe if Canada's better, I'd, I've never been to Canada, so I don't know. You know, it looks like it looks better, but every country has problems, though. So anyway, let, let me keep going here. Somebody said tips to tips for finding good jobs in this field. I'm 10 years in the Navy, have a TSSEI eligible for the master's. Um, so you you are on your way to make six figures for sure. Um, a couple of reasons why I say that you've got 10 years of naval experience. That means you have management and supervisory skills and you have a TCIS, a TC, a top secret SEI clearance and a master's. So, yeah, that's six figures. Easy, especially if you live in the East Coast, but you can probably get it in one of the big cities, New York, Plano, Texas, Austin, Dallas, Fort Worth, San, uh, San, San Antonio. You could probably get a job in. Anyway, uh, yeah, so what I would what I would do if I were you is number one, tighten up my resume. Um, tighten up, put keywords, whatever career path you're going on, tighten up your resume, make it compliant with civilian um, wording. Like, don't use a bunch of jargon, especially Navy has the worst jargon in, in the military. The military already has double acronyms and stupid crap like that. The Navy takes acronyms to a whole different level. <laughs> like, do not put that crap. I mean, you can mention it on your resume, but you need to focus on stuff that people understand. Just keep in mind, like you're going, you're you're aiming towards civilian recruiters, so you need to use words that civilians use. Like, don't use a bunch of Navy jargon, and and be and think that's going to impress people because they don't know what the hell you're talking about, right? So tighten up your resume. Number two, once you tighten up that resume, post it everywhere. Post it on ten or fifty different. Uh, job sites and you will get a job. You will get offered many jobs. You'll get offered many six figure jobs. You'll get, you'll, there'll be a flood of offers, but you got to tighten up your resume. Okay. Let me see. Somebody said they have a CISSP. Oh my Lord, dude. What, why are you asking me any questions? <laughs> why, why are you asking me questions? <laughs> uh, you should already be making more than me by now. Um, thoughts on cyber. Cyber Now Labs. I don't know. I'm not sure what you mean, but I need more context on that one. Um, what about security alarm installations? Um, security alarm installations. Um, a few years back, some of the security guys, I, I used to do physical security. I saw them a little bit familiar, familiar with the old systems because, I mean, I did it a long time ago. I was in the military doing physical security. So one of the things we would get trained on is is exactly what we're talking about is security alarm installations um, for a major company. Like we would do it on um, enterprise level security alarm installations. And that was worth some really big money, especially monitoring those alarm systems. But you're probably talking about um, like ADS or something like that. So I, I would imagine an ADS guy, um, a ADT, sorry, ADT or a, uh, what's the other alarm, a Venet, one of these alarm systems. I would imagine you have to know a little bit of networking. You have to know a little bit about the components that you're installing. Um, you, you've got to know a little bit of it stuff. So what, if you worded it correctly, if you're talking about home alarm systems, if you worded it correctly on your resume, you might be able to get your foot in the door in a help desk position. 
you might be able to get your your foot in the door in a uh, in um a company that sells big box um, security alarm installations. They those guys probably make some really good money, especially if in their sales in the sales department. Um, I, so what I would do if I were you is I would look at the I would research the market. I would look up um, what what jobs ADT has. And then what their competitors have and then what they're paying. You, you can go to salary.com, payscale.com. All these will have like positions and then they'll have like um, different the competitors of ADT or whoever. And then you'll have an idea of what kinds of jobs are out there. Because it could be that you're, there's an architecture, security, alarm system, technologist or something. There might be some high level positions that you could apply for that you already have experience for. So I would, number one, research the market. That's what I would do. And I would uh, make sure that your skills reflect everything you've done, especially the, the technology side. Like if you've done any networking, if you had to troubleshoot as you're installing, that stuff needs to go on your resume. And then you need to put that resume everywhere. Like I, I keep saying over and over again, put that resume everywhere. Those are some of the things that I would do if I were you. All right, let me see. I hope that helps. Um, I got some more questions here. Um, I even have a top secret already, man, you should have, man, I'm telling you tops. TS clearance is worth some money. Uh, let me see here. Um, I'm looking for other. Do you know of any positions that can be worked at night or weekends? Um, I have my foot in the door, but need to find a job I can uh, manage with school. OK, so here's a, here's a recommend. This is a great question. I can answer this one. Man, I'm going to have to. I got so much stuff to say, but I got to get off this thing soon. Let me just answer this question. I can answer this one. This is this is this is awesome. Something I recently kind of used for myself. I was work. I was waiting for a government position. It, it was taking like four months and I wanted the job, but it was just I, <laughs> they were really taking a long time. So what I did was. Um, I went to LinkedIn. Let me show you my screen here. I'm going to walk you through what I, what you can do. So if you do this, this is this is going to be helpful. Help me. Hopefully, I'll help you too. Um, and I this I'm, I'm getting close to the last few questions I'm going to answer here, guys. But check this out. So here I am on LinkedIn. And so what you can do is let's say you were looking for a cyber security entry level position let's just put entry level right and um now what you're gonna do right so there it is right there there's the search we're gonna look for jobs okay so we're looking for jobs you can do this on dice monster all the major sites by the way and google google does this too google's really good at this so um you would type the the, the job position you want and then put jobs in there on google and you'll find it but anyway um, we're on LinkedIn. So now we want to type in the, the last month because if you put any time, it's going to go back too far and those jobs are usually already gone. But you'll notice, see this this show 3K right here? See how it goes from 5K 
to 3K, we're kind of whittling it down to the stuff that we want. So now there's 3K jobs here for entry-level cybersecurity in the United States, by the way. Now the next thing we want to do is put your experience level, whatever it happens to be. We said entry-level, so let's just stick with that. Now it's down to 900 positions, right? 900 positions, and you're, you're looking at these jobs here. So we're still good. Now check this out. Now what we're going to do is type in the job type, part-time. You can look for part-time jobs. Now, I could have just started with that, by the way. <laughs> Anyways, 24 part-time jobs. Now, these are jobs that you can work. Now, these are all on-site, most of them. But these are positions where you don't have to show up every single day. You might be able to work something out where you can work weekends or nights or whatever because these are part-time jobs. They're not expecting you to work a 40-hour work week. Um, so there you have it. That's That's one thing I would recommend you do. Another thing you can do, um, I don't know if this one will work for you, but what you can do is if you widen your search, like especially if you have, let's get rid of this. Let's look for wideness up a, a little bit. Still part-time. Let's look for a remote part-time position. Um, so this means that you'll be working from your house doing part-time work. So here's one right here. They're looking for a SOC security analyst level one. You can do this with anything, by the way. If you're a nurse, if you are healthcare practitioner if you're um it, whatever your job is you would put it here and then you just want to put part-time you want to make sure that it's minimized by the last month so the job's still there and then you can put remote or whatever but these are jobs that you you have a lot more flexibility in uh in working these jobs uh on the weekends or whatever or with school whatever you whatever you happen to do so that's what i would do if i were you i hope that helps this is something that's kind of helped me. Like I, I was able to land a part-time, a really good part-time job. Um, where actually what happened was this is this is a crazy story. Um, I was waiting waiting for this government job. And as somebody said here, government jobs take a long time to get hired. Like they're they really take a long time. Like I'm talking like three months. Like you can't go, most people cannot go three months without a job, right? So and I'm no exception. I was actually without, I was out of a job for three months by my own hand. I just wanted to take a break. No, like, okay, I'm ready to go ahead and, and work. And so I applied for this job and uh, it was a government position. And they said, yep, you're hired. You know, I did the interview, whatever. They said, yep, here's your offer. Here's where you're going to start. And they said, well, you got to go through the background check. The background check took another two months. So that's five months of no work. I'm like, I can't, like, what are you guys doing? Like, what? Where do you got into this? Like I'm working there now and they cannot keep people because people are, are not staying there. Like they're waiting for the background check and then they're bouncing. They're leaving. So that is what's happening right now. So anyway, so that being said, I'm waiting for this background check to go. The background check is still going, by the way, to this day. Like right now, I've been working there for six months, four months, and the background check is still going. Anyway, neither here nor there. Let's go back to the story. So um, I'm, they're doing a background check on me. And I'm like, damn, like I got to have been out of work for already three, four months. I got to get a job like, right, I need a paycheck. So I my my uh, uh, resume still out there collecting all of these opportunities. And I'm just turning them down, turning them down. I've already got a job, whatever. And then one comes through. I'm like, I got to get a job now. So I'm like, OK, I'll do the interview. Right. I say, OK, well, let's arrange an interview. The screener said, yep, you're good. They sent their, my information to the actual employer. And then I'm talking to the employer and. Got the job. 
right? They're like, yep, this is the guy we want. And I'm like, okay. Meanwhile, the government comes back and says, okay, everything's good now. Now you can start working. I'm like, I just got another job. Freak stuff I can't say. So I was cussing everything. So I now have two jobs. I have this job that's, that's going to pay a lot of money. And then this government job that's very stable. I'm like, oh, my Lord. So I just went back to the job that just uh, took my offer or I took their offer. And I say, hey, guys, listen, uh, I unfortunately, I got another job. They, you know, they just took me on like, I'm sorry, but I can't, you know, I can't do it. Right. So they're like, are you sure? They like really needed a guy. They're like, are you sure? I was like, I said, the only way I could do it is if it was part time. And I know you guys need a guy like, right. You guys told me in the interview, they were telling me like, we need to get this work done X amount of time. I'm like, if it was part time, I could probably help you out maybe on the weekends or maybe I could work like 20 hours a week or something like, would that work for you? And they actually said, yes. I was like, what? <laughs> I was like, what? doesn't hurt to ask, you know, I was like, yeah. And so, yeah, I ended up working a part-time job. And then this other job, man, it's lucky I did because the stupid government job, they were like, they wouldn't, they weren't paying me. Like they were like, oh yeah, you're hired, but you have to do the background check, more background check. And they're not giving me access to the system and not paying me. I'm like, oh my Lord. So luckily I took the part-time job. So that's the story. Let me see if there's any more. Okay. Let me see if there's any current TikTok. And then I'm going to get off this thing. Um, okay, here's a good one. This will be my last one. What is the best certificate for beginners? Okay, this is coming from TikTok. Thank you, sir, for that comment. Our, your your question was the best certification, IT certification for beginners. Um, I can tell you the one that I use right now, sir. Um, the one that I currently use is... Um, uh, the, the one that I used to get in, the first one I used that I thought was really good, is called CompTIA A plus certification. And let me show you what I mean by that. Let me show you the CompTIA A plus if I could real quick. CompTIA A plus certification. Um, here it is right here. Let me show you my screen. It's a it's a good. I'm gonna show you a few good ones for beginners to give you a good understanding. And what we're looking at is a couple things for beginning beginning certifications. What I look for this is the first one I took. It was very effective for me. Is the marketability of the certification and also the common body of knowledge of the certification. So A plus has a really good common body of knowledge, and what I mean by that is what they teach you. So if I can get to the area that they break down all the stuff that they teach, let me just. Um, so I went to CompTIA.org, by the way, to find this. Um, study guides, buy now, learn more. And so these study guides actually have a bunch of the stuff that they're going to teach you. Let me see which one do we want here. The, the A-plus certification has two different, um, two different ones that you have to take. You have to take both these tests to, to be considered A-plus certified. But the stuff that they teach on this one, if I can find, they have a breakdown, a, a more detailed breakdown of everything that they, that you're going to learn in there. What you'll learn. Okay, here it is right here. Okay, here, here we go. Here's some of the stuff you're going to learn. Basic stuff. Um, you're going to learn 
installation of the PC of uh, and configuring of PCs, installation, configuration, troubleshooting, um, system components. You're gonna ex they're gonna explain network infrastructure concepts. This is all very basic stuff, but you need this to begin. Virtualization clients. These are all things that are used currently in the industry. So let's look at the other CompTIA certification. These are basic things that if you know this stuff, you can get your foot in the door at a um, at an entry level position. And by the way, A plus certification is is actually very marketable uh, for beginners. Um, you, you'll see. I don't know why some of the quote unquote gurus out there are saying don't take the security plus or A plus certification. It sucks. Blah blah blah. You don't need it. This is a good certification. This is my first certification. Uh, it, it was very good. Like I learned the basics of what I needed to learn. But anyway, here's some more stuff. Um, it looks like some of the same stuff here that you're learning. Um, I don't know why did I click on the same thing. Let me see. I might have clicked on the same one, but there's two different certifications. One leans heavier on software and then the other one. OK, this one's one one zero two. Let me see if I can go to the other one. One one zero two. Let me see. This is one one zero one. Maybe this is different. Um, OK, um, I guess they are. They are different. OK, my bad. So this was the first one that we were looking at. And then the second one. Let's look at one. 1102 core 2 there's a core 1 and there's a core 2 so that is this is the second one right here wait 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 hold up hold up hold up apologize for the scanning here but i'm just trying to show you guys okay yeah there we go right there it's the same i believe this is the same stuff but um yeah, so you have to take a core one and core two. So that's one of the ones that I would recommend that you do if you're a beginner. Another one that I've been hearing a lot about, I don't have any expertise on it, so I, I can't tell you. But this is this one I've been hearing very good things about. So I'm going to show you this one. Um, IT Google IT support certification is a, another one. Um, some people that I that I talked to, this one's on Coursera. Um, it doesn't require any experience. It's 100% learning online, 10 hours a week, under 10 hours a week. And if you get the certification, they're saying you can make up to $52,000 a year, which is not bad. Um, you're not good. Like a lot of people say, oh, if you get the certification, you make $100,000 out the box. That's bullshit. That is bullshit. <laughs> This is you're an entry level person. You're not going to make one hundred thousand dollars on your first try unless you have a top secret clearance and you live in Virginia and you blah, blah, blah. There's all kinds of caveats to make one hundred thousand. OK, so another good certification is a security plus, not necessarily for beginners, uh, but if you happen to already have some IT background. Security Plus is what I would recommend above all else. Security Plus is a great certification. It's it's very good for a, a level up. Um, it's it pays really well. Uh, if you have some IT background, it's really good for all of these types of people: your system administrators, your help desk people, your network. If you take have this one, it's really really good. Um, it's it's highly sought after by from the government. It's 
it's I would rec highly recommend the, the uh, A plus certification, uh, Security Plus, Security Plus certification. Very very good certification. Um, I have this was one of my first certifications. Um, it's it's very good. It's also from CompTIA. Another one you can do um, if you're a beginner is the AWS certification cloud practitioner. You're going to have to know basics of IT. OK, so if you know the basics, let's say you've already taken the A plus certification and now you're ready to specialize. I would highly recommend this one right here. And the reason why this one in particular, not not Google Cloud or or Cloud Plus or whatever, is because this one is most of the industry, most of the federal government, state government, private sector is using this particular variant, this particular vendor, Amazon. You know, uh, so they're using this Amazon uh, version of cloud. So if you know this then it's it's very uh it's going to it's going to help you out a lot especially if you put this on your resume. Um so that's another one I would recommend that you take if you're a beginner. Another couple certifications that I would recommend would be CompTIA. There's a couple of other CompTIA ones you could take if you're a beginner. Let's see CompTIA CompTIA is one of the best one of the best ones out there for beginners. There's tons of other places that I could recommend that you go to to learn. But CompTIA certifications are some of the best. Here's some of the certifications right here. If you know absolutely nothing, you're an old head, you don't know technology at all, you don't you can't you can't even use Netflix then I would recommend <laughs> recommend this one right here, IT uh, fundament. You can't use this on a resume. You can't use it anywhere. It's just going to help you to know the fundamentals. Um, but it's if you have to start with something like you absolutely know nothing. You 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 were born when uh, when cars were being drawn by by horses. You 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 know. <laughs> then I would recommend this if you're just very very dumb on on t technology and computers and stuff then i would do this if you know something about computers if you have configured your own computer before if you have configured your own phone you're you, if you are a millennial if you uh or if you're a millennial or a gen z or something like that a plus don't waste your time with this you probably already know all this stuff a plus certification uh and then if you already are a geek you, you fix your own computers. You built your own server to play games on it. Um, you, you're, I mean, you're a nerd through and through. You could probably just go straight to Security Plus. Straight to Security Plus and just maybe take this one on your free time or something. But Security Plus is for you. If you're, especially if you're already in IT, Security Plus. Security, don't even waste your time with these ones if you already aren't in IT. Just go straight for Security Plus. This is where you want to start if you're in IT already. So that's that's what I would recommend. Um, here's their track right here. Um, once you get, I would say, once you get to a point where you're you have a security plus, you want to level up. It's time to level up. Let me let me break some stuff down to you. So there's something called a security progression guide chart 2022. Now this dude, this random ass dude, Paul Jeremy made this incredible, I don't know who the frick this guy is, but wow, this breaks down every, all the top um, 
IT certifications. It breaks them down. It's a security certification roadmap. If you want to follow along, I cannot apologize. I cannot make the screen any bigger. But if you want to follow along, all I did was go to Google. The, the site's called pauljeremy.com. And um, this dude put together this incredibly comprehensive security certification roadmap. And this right here is extremely accurate. I This is coming from somebody who's taught certifications before. I have several certifications. This When I look at this, this right here is the truth. Um, this dude broke it all down. So it starts off over here with network security, information assurance managers, security architecture, engineer. These are all the types of certifications, right, that they categorize by these columns and color and the quote, the guy color coded it for you. And then he puts like CISSP, for example, here it is right here in black. It's going across several different um, t uh, categories of security. So it's going from network security all the way to security operations. So you can see how this is a highly sought after exam, the CISSP. And then uh, above all of that, you've got the GIAC security expert. And that's because this is one of the most difficult, comprehensive certifications in existence. And there's not many people who have this one because I believe you have to have 15 different certifications just to take this one. Um, then you got CASP and you can see it goes across this whole spectrum. These are professional level certs. These ones that you see at the top, anything above this CASP are all professional level certs. And if you get any one of these, you can easily pull 100,000. Any All of these ones up here, easily 100,000 plus. All of these ones up here. And for the government, working for private sector, whatever. These are highly sought after. They're not easy to get certifications. Most of these are not easy um, certifications. I mean, I heard a couple of these were fairly easy. C-Risk, it seems easy. Um, but you'll know Security Plus is down here. It's still a damn good cert. Security Plus is a damn good cert. The top certs I would recommend after Security Plus, if you're trying to get into security, would be CASP, CISSP, um, or C-Risk. That's a good one. CISA is a good one. Uh, let me see if there's another couple good ones. They're, these are highly marketable certifications for cybersecurity experts. Now, if you happen to be a network guy, then um, unfortunately, the network certifications are all vendor specific, all the best ones. Like they're all going to be Cisco, Juniper. There's no like the great thing about the security, the CISSP and Security Plus is that they're they're what we call vendor agnostic. That means that anybody they're not specifically for a company like Microsoft or Cisco or. Uh, any one of the, anyone, um, Apple or whatever, right? Some of those, they have specific Apple certifications, specific Microsoft certifications that are good, but they're dependent on that vendor. When you take the certification, you have to know their technology, nobody else's technology. Red Hat's the same way. But the networking, most of these are all like CCN, CCNP is Cisco, CCNA is Cisco. There's a couple Juniper ones. You have to know their technology. Another field that's pretty good is, uh, let me see, where is it? Let me see. Oh, here's the ones that everybody talks about, security operations, which is hackers. Everybody's talking about hacker this and hacker that. 
So you can see at the top of the food chain is the offensive security exploit uh, expert, which is $5,000. <laughs> it's a $5,000 certification. Oh, my God. Oh, my Lord. Plus travel. My Lord. Wow. That's an expensive certification. And then the one right below that is an offensive security certified expert three, which is four thousand four six hundred. So it might as well be five thousand dollars. And then uh, let me see, where's the OSCP? Oh damn, OSCP is way down here. This is a good certification too. This is a good certification. Uh, if you get this one, you can get some money. Um, and it's way down here. Damn. Where's CEH? Let's see. Where is CEH? Good old CEH that everybody hates. Let me see. The hackers hate this one. Yeah, it's down here. You can make a hundred thousand off this one right here. This certification right here, CEH. That's a good one. Um, I think that they're they're doing this by level of expertise. That's I think that's what the as you go up on this chart, it's it gets harder and harder and harder. That's why like this one's these lower ones. Some of these are like a hundred bucks free, two hundred bucks, three hundred bucks. You know. But as you go up, you'll notice the prices go up on, on a lot of these. And then once you get into the expert level up here, anything above CISSP is expert level. These all of these ones on top, expert level. CCIE, expert. Um, C, uh, GSE, I think there's like five GSEs on planet Earth. Something stupid like that. It's a $3,000 certification. Uh, ITIL master $4,000 interview interview $4,000. Did you hear? Did you hear what I just said? The interview is $4,000. Uh, let's see. <laughs> we already talked about this one. $5,000. These are all expert level certificate. These are all these certifications. You can get a job anywhere on planet earth working for gigantic companies. They're highly sought after certifications. Um, you're gonna just hundred thousands where you start with these ones. Um, the ones in the middle, like these ones, like from cap from CASP, I would say from about um probably from about here to about CISSP are are known as professional level certs, and then anything below hmm, entry level certs are all at the bottom. And then you've got some associate level search down here. Let me see. Where's the CCNA? CCNA, CCNA. It's, it's over here somewhere. I can't see it. But anyway, CCNA is, is considered a, a um, an associate's level certification. This is really good if you want to follow this. Just Google. Go to Google and type in um, security certification roadmap. That's what this is right here. And, um, and that'll sending you on your way to knowing what to what certifications to get man I, I rambled on that one all right let me see if there's any other questions before i head out of here what about the c the cysa let's see where that is on this list that's a great question uh let me see cysa is somewhere on here i've seen it before um cysa cysa it should be under Security risk management. Damn, I can't see it. Let me see if I can search for it. C C Y S A. Yep, there it is right there. Okay, my bad. It was under security operations. That makes sense because it's it's a security operations certification. There it is right there. 
Um, nope, that's not. Is that it? Oh, CompTIA. That's it. Yep, that's it right there. There it is right there. I don't know if, um, yep, there it is right there. So it's not quite a professional level cert, but it's a good cert. It's a good cert. And you can see it's usually used for the security operations center who do forensics, incident handling. They're monitoring logs. They're doing incident response type work. So that's all of these, many of these certifications. That's what these are right here. This middle path right here, this blue. Pretty cool. Pretty cool. I like this, this little breakdown. It's pretty cool. Um, what is the roadmap for DevOps? I don't think DevOps is on this. This is mostly for um, security stuff, but let's see. Dev. Let's see if DevOps is on here. Dev Net Pro, Dev, DevNet Associates, um, Software Security. Okay. There you go. I believe this, this would fit what you're talking about. So these are, I think these are kind of in the path of DevOps. Now that I'm seeing this, I'm not sure if I'm seeing PMP in here too. Let me see if PMP is here. P, PMP. Oh yeah, it's, it's here. Wow, that's pretty cool. Man, this dude, this dude is awesome, man. I got to give it to him. This dude freaking killed it on this. Whoever did this, man, you are a freaking genius. Okay, this right here is PMP. It's a perfect, look at this. It's above the CISSP and people are always contacting me saying, hey, Bruce, I've got a, I'm a, I'm a project manager, man. How can I get in the, into cybersecurity? I'm like, dude, stick with PMP. Like get a PMP, stick with project management. Like don't, don't do this. Like you don't have to, you don't need the extra stress of, of this. Somebody said, what is the latest, the least stressful security job um, you would pick Cybersecurity over software engineering. Um, the least. Okay, this is a great question. I can answer this one. Um, I've had a couple of jobs that weren't weren't stressful in cybersecurity. Let me switch my screen here. And unfortunately, I apologize. I forgot to shut my door. So this old dude has come in here to bother me. Hopefully, he gets the hell out of here soon. This guy, let me show you guys this guy. This this dude's going to die really soon. Aren't you, buddy? You going to die really soon, huh? Huh? You going to die really soon, buddy? Huh, church? Huh? You going to die? Huh? Yep, he's going to die really soon. Okay, the question was, what's the easiest cybersecurity job? Um, easiest cybersecurity job would be... Um, there's been a couple that I've had. Uh, one was, um, it's easy for me, teaching. Um, I used to be, I used to go on the road and I would teach. Um, that was not stressful. It was just, I didn't like the travel. It was too much travel for me. But, um, oh, why is he going to die? Because he's old. He's a super old dude. He's like 70 years old. Aren't you, buddy? He always comes in when I'm doing like... Either I'm doing lives or I'm in a meeting or something. Then he comes in and bothers me. Huh? Huh, buddy? <laughs> All right. You want to get out of here now? Want to get the hell out of here, buddy? I'm busy. All right. All right. Anyway, easy jobs. Okay. So there's been a couple easy jobs I've had. Um, one will be teaching. Teaching is very easy for me. It just comes natural to me. It's not stressful at all. It was especially teaching this stuff that I do. Um. 
Another one was writing policies and procedures. Holy crap, that was easy. And um, they love my work. And I, I need to get back into that because it was it was not stressful for me. It I delivered on the what the client wanted like that. They paid the hell out of me. That's something I should I should probably quit what I'm doing and just go straight to do that. To be honest with you, that was I, that was so easy for me. But those are the two that weren't stressful for me. Another one would be like small organizations who are working on small systems. Like if you have one system that's really small and um, and you're not, you know, you're not like really doing a lot. Um, that's pretty easy. Um, I've done a couple like really, really small systems, like literally like one system, two, three systems, and they have to get it, get it um uh, compliant with some standard. And then I just go in there and I'm putting the stigs on it or something like that. Super easy. So those are the most stressful jobs on the other side. Somebody said, uh, go be, go become a CISO, a super easy job. Oh my Lord. This dude's he's laughing, laughing emoji. Okay. I'm glad you're joking. Cause that's not an easy job. <laughs> it's the most stressful job possible <laughs> you got to be like a monk to do that job man because they're they're seeing some bad stuff right like they're seeing the upper echelon most horrible things in the organization that is a stressful job you got to have you got to be like have the emotional of, of, of the emotional intelligence of a monk you got to be like a tibetan monk to do that job i don't know how people do it to be honest with you they're just calm and then they get in a meeting and there's been a data breach and there's like chilling like yep all right, guys, how are we going to do this? Let's just do this. And everybody's hair is on fire. People are panicking, you know, and the, and the CISO is just chilling. Like, all right, here's what we're going to do. You're going to do this. You're going to do that. Boom. I'm like, damn, this, I'm always, I'm blown away by some of those guys. They're like, they're super smart technically. And then they're just chilling. Just like, okay, here's how we're going to do it. You're going to do this. Where's my, can I get a report on that? All right, give me that report. They're just like, boom, 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 boom. I'm like, damn, I want to be like that. The most stressful jobs, CISO can be very, very stressful, depending on the organization. Um, and people are hating on you and stuff like that. You're doing policy stuff. Uh, it, it can be hard. You know, you, you're not trying to you know, blow smoke, man. Like, it can be difficult. Um, it's the stress, really. It's not the work is is easy, I think. But the, the, the hard part comes with the stress because Rather than deal with issues, people want to blame and point fingers and stuff. And it's just very child. You got to you're dealing with a bunch of children. And so you're you're kind of you know, OK, guys, what are we going to do? You know, it's playtime, you know, and they're like, I want this and I want that. You're dealing with a bunch of spoiled ass grown men, you know, who want to panic about everything. It's like, oh, my Lord. I mean, not the current organization I'm working in, but some organization I'm working in. Oh, man, it's bad, man. And it's like you got to calm them down. You got to talk them off the ledge like a like a negotiator, you know. Um, how hard how hard is it to start in cybersecurity with no experience but a master's degree in cybersecurity? So it depends on how you start. What I what I recommend you do if you if this is you, if you're a cybersecurity person with no security, with no uh, experience is to do an internship. So if you want to know how where to find them, just go to. Go to Google, go to Indeed, go to Dice, go to, they're all over the place. And then type in cybersecurity internship. And so the, if you have a master's degree, they'll try to um, 
do on the job training to get you prepped for that position. Um, since the word groom has been stolen by pedophiles, <laughs> I can't use that word. So I'm going to use the word. Um, they're going to train you on the job and they're going to get you into that position because they you have the master's degree. You've done some of the heavy lifting that they need. Um, and so they're going to train you. So look up uh, internship. And you should. And if you're still in college, what I would recommend you do is work. Try to get work in your college. Start putting your resume out now, um, and and you'll have a job. And me, it'll be easy for you to get a job. Uh, let me see here. Somebody said it depends on other on other skills along with the degree. You need to find an angle. True. True enough. Let me see. What is the standard salary for security entry level? What is the starting salary? It cybersecurity is a very it's a very broad field. Um, when you say cybersecurity, you're talking about everything from the chief information security officer to the help desk person who's doing security stuff and putting in patches to the server administrator who's on a virtualized environment to the firewall person to cryptography is also considered type of cybersecurity. It depends on a couple things. What what state you're in, what what area of the country you're in, because different states have different um, levels. What industry also plays a factor? Because if you are in, say, Google pays people a lot of money, like they're in the $200,000 range, something stupid and ridiculous like that. But then you got to but then that depends on the market, because as you can see, they're laying people off like crazy right now as of 2023. But they pay that much. But I would say overall, somebody said uh, 60 to 75,000, depending on location. Yep, that this person knows what they're talking about. Another one is 50 to 80, depending. Yeah, it really depends on the or it depends on what what uh, type of security, cybersecurity you're doing. And also like the area that you're doing um, skill set is also a factor. But you said entry level. So what you can do, let me let me kind of just show you what I'm talking about here. If you go to. If we went to, do, 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 do. we typed in cyber security entry level jobs. And I think I did a TikTok about this, by the way. And then we typed in income. I'm just on Google typing in job salary. And then you'll get an idea of what it is. And, and check this out. Let me just switch this. Man, this cat is bothering the heck out of me. All right, dude, what do you want? What what is it? Okay, so let me let me show you guys what I'm talking. Don't freaking bite me, dude. Look at this. Look at this dude. <laughs> Why does he do this only when I Okay, yeah, here we here we go right here. Check this out. So um and this is coming from ZipRecruiter and Salary entry level cybersecurity analyst. And this is in my area. But it really depends on what state, anywhere from 58 to 80, 80K, 83K. Um, and it really depends on the area. Base salary, 69, 70, 79. And that this is about right. This is about right, to be honest with you. Um, but, you know, there's not just analysts. There's uh, information system security officers. There's policy guys. 
So it kind of depends on a lot of those things. And of course, your lo your location is also a factor because some some locations pay a lot a lot better than others. Don't freaking bite me. They'll just bite me for no damn reason. I'm not a cat person, so you know, like I don't necessarily like cats, and this dude just freaking I'm not petting him right, so then he just bites me. All right, guys, me and this guy are out of here. All right. Say bye. 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 We are out of here. Thanks a lot, guys, for joining me. Thanks for your questions. I appreciate you guys. We got to go. I got to feed this dude or something. I don't know what his problem is. What's your problem? Huh? What's your problem? Huh? You want to talk to me? Huh? Talk to these guys. Tell them what the problem is. Huh? Tell me what is going on. All right, guys. I, that's it. Thank you guys so much for watching. I appreciate it. I got to get the heck out of here. I'm going to develop that website. I'm going to have a whole bunch of new stuff, like training, books, all kinds of stuff. If you want to know more, this is not where it ends. This is where it begins. Go to ComboCourses.com. You can follow me on YouTube. I got tons of free stuff out there. Free, not Udemy. I'm talking about free stuff, downloadables, all kinds of stuff you can learn. Um and you just got to go to combocourses.com or type in combo courses on uh, best places of YouTube, probably to find me or TikTok. All right, that's it. I'm out of here. Peace. Um, love and chicken grease. Um, if I can find the damn end broadcast button, there it is. Okay.